are you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to episode 405 of the Write Hour. Some people think they need to wait until they're older to write a book, and some are brave like my guest today, who has written two books before he's graduated college. Cedric has a heart to bring people together, and he is inspiring. You're going to love listening to him. After living through a dark time in his life, he found his purpose, and now he has turned his pain into a career of helping others through tough times in their lives. Cedric Norris Jr. is a senior at Georgia College and State University, which is where I met him. He is double majoring in philosophy and sociology. At the age of 20, he accepted his calling as a writer with his debut book, Black Light Shining, a poetic journey of self-love and reflection. Another year full of trials, tribulations, and spiritual awakenings led him to the creation of his second work, Gracefully Broken, a story of purpose, prayer, and prophecy. Taking his dreams to the next level, he has made the next step of faith to become a motivational speaker and life coach. Through his well-thought-out words, intentional spiritual work, and very good therapist, Cedric has made a point to let everyone know, whether a believer or non-believer, they are loved, respected, and accepted simply because they are human. Cedric is fixating his eyes on the future because he graduates this May and he's going to make the move to Atlanta in hopes of expanding and taking his business to the next level. You can find his books available on Amazon I will, and his website. I will leave it, the links in the show notes. Now, sit back and listen to an amazing young man as he shares about his book, Gracefully Broken. Welcome to episode 405 of The Right Hour. And today I am with Cedric Norris Jr. And he is a wonderful uh, student in the college in the, my town where I live. And I met him through that. And so I'm excited to have him on here. He has already written two books. And how old are you, Cedric? I'm 21. 21. And he's already written two books. So uh, a lot of us are way behind you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And so I am, I am proud of this young man. He is a uh, model to, you know, for people to emulate. And I love to hear stories about what's happened in his life. And so Cedric, start off and tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a writer. What sparked you to write your book? So especially your first book, which I know is pretty personal, correct? Yes, yes. So my first book is what um, I would kind of call... Um, a motivational memoir is kind of more uh, formatted in a, just a collection of essays. Uh, I actually just kind of did a new edition of that book. And so in this new edition, we have it um, just uh, for just a, uh, can, a bunch of essays, uh, kind of like the chicken noodle soup books. Um, but what really started me to writing, um, I've always been creative, grew up in a very small town. Um, right outside of Augusta called Thompson, Georgia. And I was always very good at writing. Um, I remember winning writing rewards and uh, awards and things like that. And 
you know, and just, but never really kind of took it seriously. Um, I was more so focused on performing arts. So um, dancing and acting and singing and things like that. And then about around my freshman year, um, actually the, the fall semester of my freshman year. So in November, 2015, I lost my grandfather. Um, the following year in December, 2016, I lost um, my uncle who was basically like my father. And then six months after that, I lost a very dear friend in a car accident. And so I needed to essentially find a way to kind of um, release all of the pain and all of the grief and uh, kind of talk myself through the process. And uh, I'm a very big fan of Oprah. <laughs> and she, and I was watching an episode of hers, and she um, talked about how she journaled and how um, writing was therapeutic for her. Um, and I had also heard other playwrights um, whom I've, who I had the pleasure of meeting um, talk about, you know, just writing and just waking up every morning and kind of exercising the muscle and writing um, for 20 minutes and then writing for 30 minutes until you, before you know it, you know, you've written 10 pages um, in an hour because, you know, you're, you're, you have your groove. And so that's how I kind of started. It, the book Black Light Shining, which was my first publication, essentially started out as um, this book that was going to be about me and about my life and struggling with bullying and things like that. And then it quickly, quickly turned into this kind of um, this kind of statement piece that talked about racism, that talked about religion, spirituality, mental health, um, a lot of things that were relevant to um, society and relevant to the Black community in particular. And so that is pretty much how I started. Um, it took me a year and a half to write my first book. It took me seven months to write the second. And um, I still today am practicing that muscle, and now I take great pride in it. Good. What well, and I have to say, journaling helped me too. It is an excellent therapy, therapeutic way to work through emotions and pain, and it, well, even good things. And so, you know, that is awesome that you did that. I, I, after I had my son, I went through this period of, you know, who am I? Where am I? And I watched mm -hmm. a lot of Oprah too because that's what he, <laughs> he needed to eat. And, and I was like, okay. And she had some pretty interesting people on there. And one of them was, um, I think it's Sarah Bronbeck, is how you yes. said her last name, that had the journaling books. Mm -hmm. And it just, it helped me look at my life more objectively and work through that pain. So that's definitely a great way to do it. And I'm so glad that you did because that's a lot in a year, was it a year and a half's time, two years? It was like a year, yeah, a year and a half's time. And it was a lot to be 18. I was, I mm -hmm. was the new 18 before my birthday is late summer. And so I had just turned 18 in June, at the end of July. And it was a lot at 18 to, to lose so many people so near and dear to you in such mm -hmm. a short time span. Um, and all of them pretty, le you know, all of them left in tragic ways. My uncle, my uncle, was, he got stage four stomach cancer. He was not aware of it. I saw him during Thanksgiving break. Um, it came back Christmas break and, you know, he, he died within like four days. Um, my grandfather was killed and, you know, my friend, she passed away in a very brutal car accident. So, you know, it was, it was, they were all very sudden, all very unexpected. Um, 
And I was never taught how to necessarily deal with that kind of grief, that kind of pain. I don't think anyone is. And so, um, you know, I had to do my work. I hear you. And I had similar thing come up with not death, but I went through a very painful experience in high school. And I was actually going through the grieving process when I went off to college and did not realize it. And yeah. by the grace of God, my, uh, I think it was the second semester, well, we were quarters then. Second quarter, I took a psychology class and he talked about the steps of grief. And I'm like, oh, thank Lord, I'm not crazy. Because you know? <laughs> I thought yeah. I was going crazy. You know, I would cry at the drop of the hat for sometimes, you know, and boohoo for hours and really not know why and what yes. was going on. Yes. And it, it really helped me oh, okay, this is normal. And I'm going through something that a lot of people go through. And it does help just knowing that, knowing that you're not the only one and you're not crazy. <laughs> so I get that. I get that. So your second book is called Gracefully Broken. What inspired you to write that book? Um, what inspired me to write that book was I was at this thing called House Church. Um, it was August of 2017 and, um, this girl walked up to me and I did not know her and she did not know me. Um, and she, what we call in the, um, I guess Christian in Christianity, she gave me a prophecy. Um, and it was core shaking. I mean, it was spiritually awakening. It, it changed the entire trajectory of my life, the way I lived my life, the way I interacted with others. And she basically said some things to me that I knew were very intimate that I knew that I had not told anyone. And she, and she really spoke to the spirit that was, that was within me. Um, at that time I was battling a lot of darkness in my life and I felt this great, I felt this dark cloud over my life and I felt like there was something over my shoulder that I couldn't shake. Um, and I didn't quite have the language for it because I didn't have the knowledge for it. And um, she really gave me clarity. She really offered me some truth at that moment. And so after, after going through the process of, of receiving that, you know, at first, my first thought was to deny it because I just didn't believe that it would happen. And then, you know, after having some really strong spiritual people in my corner who basically told me, no, like, wake up, this is real. Um, you need to listen to it. I made, I said to myself, you know, one day just meditating, I have to tell this story. Like this story is too great, too grand for me to keep to myself. Like this can help so many people. And so Gracefully Broken kind of birthed out of that. It is actually named in honor of one of my favorite um, Christian and gospel songs. It's, it's called Gracefully Broken and it's by Tasha Cobbs. And that's what I named the book after. And I remember listening to this song for the first time and my body literally filled with goosebumps. I mean, I was, I was, I had chills all over and I just knew in that moment that that, that, that had to be the name of it, that, um, whatever I had been through in my life, especially in the, in the last year and a half, um, it was not to break me. It was not to destroy me. It was not to put me out, but rather to just position me and put me in the right place so that I could pursue the purpose God had you know, placed in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it really opened up my eyes really, really big. Um, you know, I believe God and the universe was whispering to me and sending me messages and sending me signs. And for a long time, I was just very kind of ignorant to them and not paying attention or not very intentional or in touch with them. 
and Gracefully Broken really um, evolved that discernment and that understanding of, of when life is speaking to you. Um, it really changed that for me. It really transformed that for me. And so um, I always say Gracefully Broken, it, 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 was, it turned me into, it transitioned me into manhood. Gracefully Broken transitioned me into manhood. And it offered me um, some tangible truths about life uh, that I could pass on to others. That's awesome. So how did you, um, how do you hope that Gracefully Broken will help people? And, and how is it set up? Is this uh, just a nonfiction self-help kind of book or is it a devotional? Yes. So um, it starts off first um, with journal entries. So it te- it's technically what I do is, um, is I take the last parts of Black Light Shining and I put them in Gracefully Broken. Um, the same concepts, the, came, the same ideas, but basically what I did was I took my journal entries and I opened them up with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted people to really see the, 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 what was going on in my head, what the process behind it, that it wasn't just like I, I, I you know, um, that it wasn't just like I approached this revelation, like it, it didn't just snap for me. There was a process. There were many nights journaling, asking God, what does this mean? Um, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, I was having very vivid dreams of of snakes attacking me. And then I was having these really, um, you know, just undeniable whispers that I felt were from the, that I felt were from God that I knew that just shook my spirit in a, in a way that it never had before. And so I really wanted people to see it um, and to read it. And so it's split up into five chapters and the chapters are um, formulating the grasp, focusing on forgiveness, finding all things spiritual, feeling the freedom and fighting in the armor. And so the idea behind it was um, once you formulate the grasp on life and once you have an understanding of a concrete understanding and complete understanding of what it is that you cherish and value and believe, um, then and only then can you focus on forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Um, and I think a big crucial piece in that second chapter was you have to forgive yourself. If you don't forgive yourself for doing the things or, or, or falling short or allowing yourself to do the things or that happen, or you can never go forward in forgiving someone else. Um, and then after formulating the grasp and focus on forg- focusing on forgiveness, I really feel like in terms of spiritual growth, that's when you find all things spiritual because you've essentially set a foundation and you've kind of detoxed your life of that pain, of that resentment, of that frustration, or you're either making steps to do so. And so then you can begin the spiritual journey. Um, and then you feel the freedom of that. You know, you feel you feel the greatness of that. You feel the lightness of that. Um, you know, you you essentially become aware of all of these things that you probably never realized before. Um, and I feel like after you have all of those things, those all of those one, two, three, four are essentially tools you fight in the armor, you know, that give you that breastplate of righteousness, that, you know, put that helmet of salvation on you, um, that, you know, help you stand firm in the gospel of the peace, you know, all of those things uh, that are in Ephesians 6, 11. And so that is, that is the goal um, to help people dig a little bit deeper um, 
because what I saw was that a lot of us, um, especially specifically a lot of my generation, um, were either not in church um, or aside from church, just didn't even have a relationship with God. Um, and they resented that. And I wanted, I wanted this to be a non-judgmental piece that was strictly written from experience and truth to show them that God may not look the way that you've been taught. You know, he comes up in many different ways. And I want you to be able to experience that with freedom, not the constricting structural views that come with, you know, how to be a Christian. Because, you know, the reality is, is that we are entering into a world that is changing. Um, and I believe that first and foremost, we are to love and we are to love unconditionally. Um, and that requires us to love our enemies and that requires us to love people that we may not necessarily agree with. And that's okay because that's what Jesus would do. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that, that is the ultimate goal here is to kind of encourage people, give people the extra nudge, the extra push to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. I love that. I lo and I love the piece about forgiveness. That is huge. Yeah. Because you have, like you said, that healing of your own mm -hmm. and forgiving yourself and you've forgiven others. You, it opens up a whole new world for you. And, right. and, and, and I am very adamant about, you know, having a relationship with God is more important than following religious rules yes you know absolutely. it's all about relationship and i see that in your book that that's what you are inspiring people to do is have this relationship because god does speak to us in different ways mm -hmm. he speaks to me differently than i'm sure he speaks to you because we have different personalities we have he speaks to us in a way that works for us exactly and that is the personal god and that's what i love about right. him is you know he will speak to me in a way that, that touches my heart, that if he spoke to you that way, you'd be like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. You know? So I, I love that we have a personal God who has created unique people, and then he speaks to us in unique ways. That is wonderful. Now, you did mention something, and I'm curious to know, um, because I, I, I do I have a son your age, and... Just in general, it's something that I've, I've wondered about and, and am concerned about. But why do you feel so many people in your age group have strayed from their faith or are just not practicing faith at all? Um, I, think that, I think that we have a misconception of, 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 of what church is, what religion is, what spirituality is. And I think people group church and religion together. And I understand that that is an easy misconception. But I, what I really think is, is that church and religion and spirituality and, and Christianity, all of those things function separately. Um, now, they, now, do they intersect? Um, more than more often than not absolutely but all of those in my opinion are separate are separate entities um i believe that you can have a spiritually based church that does not function under let's say the structures or the rules of religion you know um but you know because there's so much out there but i what to answer your question what i really think it is is that we have done 
ourselves and our youth a disservice um, because we 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 judged them and we've ostracized them and we made them feel excluded. Um, and the reality of it is, is and I know, and I know the word says we should not be of the world. We should be of the spirit. We shouldn't be of the flesh. But the reality is, is that for a lot of children, especially in this time of social media and technology, they are actively every day comparing themselves to the things around them to what they yeah. see. They always feel like there's something better. You know, we have this, un- we have this thing, we have this frame of thought that like, you know, we need to get there. We need to get there quickly. We need to get there fast. And mm-hmm. I really feel like if you don't break that barrier of communication, when it comes to youth, you will lose them because they will go out and see what's in the world and think that God can't offer them anything. And so I really think it starts with us, checking ourselves um, as so-called Christians, I think we really need to reevaluate the way that we love. And if that love is unconditional, then why do we have so many of our youth feeling ostracized and feeling put out? You know, one of the hot takes is, and I always always have this conversation with people, um, one of the hot takes is, you know, LGBTQ community. Um, That always comes up. And I just had this conversation with someone else a couple of weeks ago, but I I explained to them, I get it. I understand. um, I understand what the word says. I I, I get all of the contextual things that come with it. But at the end of the day, it is our duty to love. Um, It's our duty to, to spread the gospel. And if we focus on one issue and we focus on this issue and we ostracize this issue and we, and these group of people in these communities of people, we, we, it, it spreads. It's like a cancer. We lose many more people than just that group of individuals. Um, right. And so it's we're a, being watched. We're being watched. Right. By other, and how we treat people. And so I want us, what I really want to happen and what I really think will help is that if we as a community and as a society reshaped our focus, not on condemnation, not on ostracizing, not on judging, but on loving unconditionally um, and, and learning how to love and understanding that just because we love someone doesn't mean that they have to respond in the way that we that we think they should respond, you know, because that's a big part of it too. Right. Um, right. I think if we come to that consensus and we come to that understanding, then a lot of our issues will be erased, um, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, I think that a lot of children feel misunderstood and a lot of children, especially um, in the South, have experiences and have um, painful things that they are going through and that they are working through and they've been taught to be silent about it. They've been taught that what goes on this goes on in this house stays in this house. You know, they're not encouraged to seek out therapy. They're not encouraged to, you know, give a voice to their depression or their anxiety. Uh, you know, they don't even have the language for it. And so to them, you know, how can a God, how can my mom and dad or my cousin or my aunts or my friends who say that they love this God, you know, say these things or do these things or, or say that he's real with, and how can, how are they supposed to be a representation of him when they don't even encourage me to be my authentic self? Or to understand what 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 that means. 
So that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, well, we can go on for hours about that one. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I, I do believe that it is a personal decision and it needs mm -hmm. to come from God. And it is our job to love people, like you said, and it is their job to listen to God. And God will show them which way to go and what's the right path. And I think praying for someone and loving for some, loving someone is the best thing you can do. And in then if they want to seek change, then it's from their heart, then, then it's true, change. You know, I think trying to bully someone into change is wrong. And, and whether it be, you know, how they dress, how they behave. And I'm, talk, and I'm not talking just about the homosexuality. I'm talking about anything, you know, spiritual. Um, it needs to be come with love and not, because I, I grew up independent Baptist. And it was very role oriented, you know, a good Christian girl does this and a good Christian girl wears this and a good Christian girl does this and a good Christian girl does that. And, you know, and you don't do da, 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 da. And there was a whole long list we didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so when I went to public school at, in seventh grade, I had been to a private Christian school until sixth grade. It was a complete eye opener for me. Mm -hmm. I talk about culture shock it took about two years for me to work through that culture shock and thank you God for some great friends. And I, you know, I see, and, and that helped me see too, because God has a wonderful sense of humor. My best friend was Jewish in high school yeah. and she, well, she was Jewish by heritage. And at the time she claimed to be agnostic and we talked about spiritual things. And because of that, she challenged me spiritually and I really learned to dig in the word to figure out why do I believe what I believe? Do I believe it just because mom and dad says it or my pastor says it? And that really helped start my spiritual journey. And it's that, and it's funny that, you know, a Jewish agnostic person is the one who started my spiritual journey. Isn't that kind of <laughs> ironic? <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and she's still a dear friend of mine. I mean, we, I love her to death, and, but we don't see eye to eye on so many things. It's hilarious. So, but um, now tell me what was your biggest struggle? We'll go back to writing and get out of politics and spiritual stuff for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what was your biggest struggle when you wrote your first book, when you were trying to figure this out? Um, my biggest struggle probably was being vulnerable. I did not know how to, um, I didn't know what that meant. Um, and I didn't know what was required of me, um, as far as being vulnerable. Um, I was, I've always been a very emotional person. Um, and I feel like I've always kind of had this sixth sense since I was a child. Um, and I never really quite knew what it was. And so when writing this book, I, it was difficult for me to tell my entire truth just because, um, like I said, I grew up in a small town and I was fearful of judgment. I was fearful of what people would say. Um, and I had to understand through and through that my joy did not come from people around me. 
Um, I had to I had to come to the conclusion that they don't pay my bills, they don't put clothes on my back, they ain't paying my tuition, and they dang sure ain't putting no food on my table. So I really could care less <laughs> about what they have to say. Um, and when I came to that little conclusion within myself, um, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to share this story because I understood that it was not about me, that it was not about me, um, and I think that hinders a lot of people from being vulnerable and from uh, telling their whole truth. Um, um, I don't think that everyone should speak their truth to the, um, I'm, I'm personally a very private person. Um, you know, I think there are some things that should be said and some things that shouldn't, but when it comes to, uh, you know, making the mindset to be a courageous person and, and wanting to share your truth, I feel like you should have the liberty to share the entire truth, um, without judgment. Um, and so, and authentically. And so when I, when I made that decision, of understanding uh, that my joy came from from a far higher place than these people that I share this thing called Earth with, it was very easy for me to to tell my story, um, yeah. and it healed people. It, you know, it it is helpful because you know when I I got to that place too, uh, and you have to as a writer get to the place where you're not so worried about what everybody else thinks. And especially if you're writing a spiritual book, there is a, like you said, a much higher power and reason why you're writing the book. It's not just because, you know, you want to tell people how smart you are <laughs> you right. have a, a, or what you're, or, you know, look at me, this is what I went through and I'm survived. You know, <laughs> it, that's not what it's about. It's about helping people who are hurting in the same place and, when you open yourself up like that, and it is hard, and depending upon the topic, it can be very hard. I mean, I've had to help some people, because, uh, you know, I coach writers. I've had to help people write some very painful things, and it takes time to work through that fear of how much am I going to share, what am I going to share, and, you know, you got to decide, each person has to decide for themselves how much they're going to share and bear their soul, because like you said, there are some things that, you know, the world just doesn't need to know. And there are some things that it does help them if they do know, because somebody else is going through something similar, you know? And, and so it, that is one of the struggles that a lot of writers, that it provides a lot of procrastination. Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to say that. I don't know if I want to yeah, talk about that. I remember when I was writing, I would be I would be in the coffee shop sobbing as I'm typing. And I'm just like, oh, my salty tears going to mess up my motherboard or my computer. But, like, I just had to really get to the painful. You have to, especially when writing about your life in general and any type of painful experience, nonfiction and spiritual, spirituality in particular, you have to be willing to get down and dirty and, like, get into the messiness of what you're feeling and why you're feeling and and what led you to feeling it and you know answering those how what who when where why kind of questions um and the hard questions and once you can do that you can tell a great story that's for sure yeah well and that's when you will actually connect with people too mm -hmm. when you are real and you bear the pain out there you are able to connect with people in a much better way so definitely so I got two more questions for you real quick. So do you have like a set time that you write when you're working on a project or do you just kind of write in the, the crevices and cracks of the day when you're trying to get a project done or 
what, tell me what some things work for you with your writing time and what haven't. We always, I always ask my guests this because it's always interesting to hear and you never know, somebody might pick up on something like, ooh, that might work for me. Yeah. Um, well, usually when I have, like right now, I have made the decision that I'm going to start writing a third book. Um, what that timeline is, I don't know. Um, mainly because I am going, you know, at my own route. I'm not really, you know, I don't have Simon & Schuster or any other major publication breathing down, publishing company breathing down my neck saying, we need this in a year, you know. Um, but usually what my kind of frame or work style is, is I'll just start, um, you know, getting together ideas, random little pieces here that I've written here and written there. And usually that, that process kind of goes on probably about three to four months. And then as I get, you know, I, I say as I get to about 50 to 60 pages, you really kind of have a good introduction and first chapter of what the book is and what it's going to be. And so I start giving myself hard deadlines. Um, and so I'll give myself probably from, from 50 pages on, I give myself probably um, a good six month time range, um, three to six month time range to finish um depending on what the story is and how lucid um how lucidly it comes through my fingers as i'm typing um but i do not in any way rush the process because i am more involved since i've started writing at the age of 19 where when i published first published gracefully i mean black light shining I've evolved now as, you know, as a, as a workshop leader, as a motivational speaker, you know, as a life coach. And so, you know, even if I'm not, you know, refining my craft in, in the technical way of writing a book, I am constantly learning through others, through helping others, through speaking to others, through meeting people. Um, and I think that is just as valid of a process or a valid part of the process as is writing, you know, and brainstorming and things like that. And so um, for me, you know, I'm, and I'm sure I've heard many writers say this, and I'm sure you agree too, you know, you can see something in the store, it can be uh, loaf of bread, and you see like one word on the loaf of bread, and you're like, oh my God, like something comes to you, you know, you never know what it's going to be. And so I'm a big believer in, I can't stop living life. I can't sit in this whole with writer's block. I got to get out. I got to go. I got to go be with friends. I got to see people. I got to meet people. I got to get out there because you never know what's going to inspire you. Right. Right. That's great. Yeah. Well, and when you're writing, do you, and you said you started hitting those self-imposed deadlines, you start creating those. Does that help motivate you more than having those deadlines in place? It does. It does, cause, because what it does is it helps you, because once you've gotten a good chunk of the, pro, of, of the book or whatever your product is, you know, giving yourself those hard deadlines keeps you accountable. It teaches you discipline. And it also, um, you know, helps you become excited. It gives you momentum about the project. Um, that's why I do it mainly because it keeps the momentum up so that all the way from 50 pages to getting the final copy to the editor, to taking the photo shoot for the cover to whatever I'm doing, I have that momentum, you know, that pace, that beat that I've kept, um, for, for a, an allotted period of time. And so that's mainly why I do it so that I never, so that from, you know, in 50 pages, it's just my thing, but so that, so that from 50 pages on, I never lose that passion or right. the understanding of what the story is. 
Right. Well, what words of advice or encouragement do you have for new writers or maybe someone struggling to write their book? Um, I get this question all the time. I just tell people, you know, practice your muscle. Writing is a muscle. Um, and I don't, like, you know, you know, like practice it. Um, the, the, the more you do it, the more intentional you are about it, the better you will get, um, you know, see, read other people's uh, literature. You know, I am a big fan of Maya Angelou and Iyala Van Zandt, um, you know, and a couple of other major, J.K. Rowling, you know, a lot of writers and authors who, who have immaculate writing styles that are, that are just beautiful. So seek, you know, s look out for different types of, of styles and things like that. Um, and that really helps you refine and kind of create your own style. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just, just, just continue to be intentional about it. Whatever you believe in, whatever you give energy to, it's naturally going to reproduce itself. Whatever seed you sow, you shall reap it. Um, and, you know, never let anyone tell you what you can't do or what you can't be. I had a lot of doubters, a lot of naysayers say, oh, you're not going to write a book or da 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 this or da da that. Um, and I did, you know, and you'll see that as you continue to write, you know, there's some stuff I look back from six months and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. But that's good though. You know, that's good. Mm -hmm. um, be hard on yourself when you need to be hard on yourself. Teach yourself discipline. Allow yourself to, to go through a process of learning discipline when you need to. But also give yourself gratitude for those small little victories. Um, I hated my first book after I came out with my second one. I was like, the first one is a mess. Like, I don't even know why people love that one. But that one won the crowd. You know, it, that was what really built my audience. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I pat myself on the back for that. I, I show, I celebrate myself for that. Um, right. You know, just just keep at it. Practice the muscle and, and, um, and well, I love that. So, yeah, so practice discipline keep going and learn from others is essentially what you said mm -hmm. right definitely and and i totally agree if you continue to learn listen to podcasts read books find yes. blogs and another great thing that i love is writing conferences have you been to any writing conferences yet Yes, um, I've been to um, a couple here and there. Um, I went to one in New Orleans, I think last year, and that was a really great one. Um, it was more so focused on, uh, you know, like African-American writing and things like that. Um, but it was, it was an enjoyable experience. And so I, I'm a fan of those as well. Um, yeah, that's so. a great way to make some connections and learn. Well, I yes. greatly appreciate you being here, Cedric, and I'm um, excited to see where your next book is going to go with us, and I will have links to both of your books so people can check them out, and your, as well as your website, and they can learn more about you, and I just appreciate it, and I wish you the best with everything, and he graduates in May, everybody, so woohoo! <laughs> Congratulating <laughs> on that. It's been a long Amen. journey. and. <laughs> So, will you take care and have a beautiful day? Yeah, thank you. You do the same. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. If you are wondering how to start your writing journey but feel overwhelmed or confused, after taking four years to write my first book, I completely understand. I created the four steps to the right book, and you can sign up for it 
the short email series on my website at therightcoach.biz. That's T-H-E-W-R-I-T-E coach, C-O-A-C-H dot biz dot B-I-Z. Or go to the link in the show notes for this podcast and find the sign up on the side. There's a side pop out or on your phone. It's at the bottom in little blue bar and it pops up. Or on the homepage at the bottom, you can sign up for the four steps to the right book. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. I share tips on the writing process. And you can download the writing planner to track your progress and create your weekly and monthly milestones to complete your book. Don't let fear and overwhelm stop you from writing your book. Thank you for joining me today on the Rhine Hour, nonfiction tips from the Rhine Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. Leave a review and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book. <music>